Maybe don't know. Maybe don't know. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 76 of the Power Company podcast brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I'm here at home in Lander, which is great because I think this is the longest that I've been here for any period of time since I've lived here. And it's pretty damn nice, to be honest. Uh, I'm recording this intro while my fiance, Annalisa, and my daughter, Katie, are out in the machine shop climbing. Why am I not out there? Because my A2 is on the mend. Quickly though, I might add, it's been about 10 days since I injured my A2 pulley in my middle finger and I'm just about ready to climb on it again. I've been doing some rehab for it. It's going really well um, and just about ready. But that's another story for another time and actually that's a story for the patrons. Uh, I've been detailing my own training in the don't call it a comeback episodes of the We Scream Like Eagles podcast. And I give those to the patrons. I think we're up to 14 episodes at this point. Not all. Don't call it a comeback episodes, but 14 in total. And uh, some of those short, some of those longer. And you can get access to those for as little as a dollar per month, up to really whatever you think it's worth. Um, Yeah. And you can do that at patreon.com slash podcast. And I'm also solidifying my spring schedule. It's looking a little bit crazy, but that's a good thing. And you'll be hearing more about that as it's nailed down, because if I'm coming to your town, uh, that means I'm going to be having workshops. That means I'm going to be doing private sessions. That means I'm going to be eating tacos. So we should go eat tacos and drink a beer together. So hit me up if you hear that I'm coming to your town. Uh, Today's guest, which I'm really excited about, is Dr. Alan Lim, who is a sports physiologist, former cycling coach, author, and founder of Scratch Labs. And if you're not familiar with Scratch Labs, Scratch Labs started as a hydration company and has has grown into a nutrition company, so to speak. Um, And it's natural food. It's real food. And it tastes good. And and it's not all about science, even though Dr. Lim is a scientist. He recognizes the human component in all of this, which which I really appreciate. And in the spirit of transparency, I've been a Scratch ambassador for a few years. And the reason that I am is that I really, truly believe in their products, their philosophy, and their mission. Um, This interview had nothing to do with that relationship uh, other than the fact that I believe in their products. This was not a requirement. I reached out to them on my own because I believe in this company and what they do. And I think that Dr. Lim has um, some things to teach us, and man, I was blown away by this conversation. I immediately texted Nate when I was done and said, whoa, I just had this conversation about hydration that was amazing. 
And most of you who listen regularly know that nutrition talk usually causes me to just blank out. But this conversation is fucking fascinating. And uh, we start with Dr. Lim's origin story. Um, As he says, his parts are from China. He was made in the Philippines and he was programmed in America, where his parents came to start over again from scratch. It's not about all this tech and science. If you have an athlete who can't cook food, if you don't have the basic life skills, it doesn't matter the technology that you have or the money that you're spending on these marginal gains. dictators you know go he was one of the worst and so my parents got the hell out of dodge you know that being said they had already fled china because of the communist revolution the cultural revolution um as communism goes well that didn't exactly work out as uh right you know potentially aspirational as that concept is that we're all basically equal you know as a tangent think about this monopoly this this game of capitalism yeah Everyone starts out with the same amount of money. That's communism. You have a How point. How messed up is that? You have a point. That's what we're taught from children. It's freaking weird. Like, you <laughs> want to play a good game of Monopoly? Take 10 people, give one person... Random amounts of money. 80% of all yeah. the Monopoly money. Yeah, that's way more realistic. <laughs> and then distribute the rest and be like, go play. Yep. Right? You have um, a point. That, I'm going to try being, it that way. Yeah, try it that way. It's, it's, it's insightful. <laughs> That being said, not to get too tangential, um, I do believe that this process here in America works, and that's why so many people migrate here. And when my parents first came to this country, you know, they had to give up, um, you know, who they were and and start over literally from scratch. And it's this idea that no matter where you find yourself in life, that you can always start from scratch, which is really the core identity and basis for what we do here at Scratch. Um, that's why the company is named what the company is named for. It's not simply that we believe that food and drink is better from scratch. It's right. the belief that you can reinvent yourself at any point in time. And for me, I had made my career as a sports physiologist on the pro cycling tour. And it was realizing on the pro cycling tour that bottlenecks matter more than marginal gains, that it's not about all this tech and science if you have an athlete who can't cook food, if you don't have the basic life skills to yep. you know, manage a grocery store, if you're lonely or hungry or angry or tired. It doesn't matter the technology right. that you have or the money that you're spending on these marginal gains. And so for me, what I learned very early on as a scientist on the Pro Cycling Tour was this acronym that my good friend Lori Ventura uses on her kids, which is HALT. If things are not going well, if someone's emotional, you basically just tell them to HALT. And HALT stands for, are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Are you tired? Oh man, my fiance needs that for sure. Whenever I'm hungry, I automatically get angry, so. Yeah, Yeah. and then that leads to loneliness because nobody wants to hang around you because you're a dick. exactly. And then all of a sudden you're tired because you've been crying your little eyeballs out because Mm -hmm. nobody will give you a little Snickers bar. Yep. It's a terrible situation. Yeah, for sure. I think that's really interesting that as a scientist, you you paid attention to all those 
those things that a lot of scientists, I think, seem to miss out on. You know, they pay really close attention to the science and don't pay attention to the human. Yeah, the problem is, and the reason I find that to be messed up is that you're taught as a scientist to be observational, to learn, mm -hmm. you know, to, 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 to observe, to, to watch, to see what's going on in this little natural world that you're living. Right. Um, not to just be confined to this little micro experiment, right? Um, the thing about practice versus science is that everyone becomes their own experiment. I think that in principle, you can apply the same lessons from the scientific method to everyday life, right? We're all our own experiments. We learn as we go. We're constantly making mistakes and recalibrating. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot there. And what I found was that it was a lot more beneficial for me to wake up early in the morning, take my little rice cooker and make these guys little energy bars, you know, from sushi rice than it was mm -hmm. to force them to, you know, try to chow down all these dry prepackaged energy bars. I found that it was a lot easier for me to just dilute their sports drink and add back more salt uh, than to have them get sick from crappy sports drink. And eventually that led to a lot of the products that we have at Scratch Labs, but I never conceived that this was gonna turn into a business. It was just that I found myself in a place in life where I, well, one, needed a change, but two, the climate in the sport was such that, um, well, this is, this, is, this is another kind of long, backstory the backstory was that i came into pro cycling and it was a shit show there was a lot of um not just performance enhancing drug use there was a lot of coercion around performance enhancing drug use it's one gotcha. thing it's one thing to be an asshole and to cheat it's another thing to force other people to cheat sure it's another thing to be part of a systematic system where you're coerced to do something that you don't want to do mm -hmm. that's a real abomination of freedom right it's not just that oh i'm a jerk i want to try to take advantage of a system it's that oh i take I'm advantage being, of everyone else too yeah and that people are making me or you do something that you feel is morally wrong um that is the 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 real rub of the situation and so, um, you know, young, naive, uh, idealistic, and traumatized by what I had seen, I wanted to try to make things better. Mm -hmm. and, and believing in this American dream that's yeah, possible. And, and, yeah, exactly. And, and so I took the approach of, of, of saying to athletes, look, if you've cheated, you've cheated. How about we do things differently? How about we use your past experiences as a reference point to doing things better? And maybe, just maybe, you might find as your own experiment that you do better, you know, not cheating. How about right. that as a proposition? How about you train really, really hard and you come home a lot more tired, uh, but when your head hits the pillow at night, you can actually fall asleep and you sleep like a little baby rather than laying up waiting until people find you out. Right. And um, that approach, I think, created a lot of success. It helped spawn the biological passport uh, through the Garmin cycling program. Um, it, it changed a lot, but mostly what it changed is it changed the, the systematized doping that I think was going on. Certainly athletes were still cheating, but it wasn't like 
there was a gun to their head anymore. There were other right. options and other teams that right. Had the I think same it's those other thing. options that's really important. You know, if everyone who's winning is cheating, then you feel like to compete at all, yeah. you have to cheat as well. Yeah, monopoly. Yeah, exactly. Shit. <laughs> um, anywho, uh, that eventually led me to Radio Shock, which was Lance's team, Lance mm -hmm. Armstrong's team. And the federal investigation began, and essentially, you know, by association, the 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 gig was up for me. Um, there was a cooling off period, if you will, where people I think weren't sure to what to make of me because I was working for for Lance and and his team. Right. Um, so I had a lot of time on my hands, and I realized that you know maybe I wasn't ever going to work in pro cycling again. Uh, on one hand, it made me pretty bitter. It felt really unfair. On the other hand, you know, such is life. And sure. such is, you know, trying to do the best that you can do. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, but athletes were asking me for the sports drink that I had been making for them. Right. Um, and it was, at the time, it was called the secret drink mix or something. Well, That's how they referred called, to it, It wasn't right? even called secret drink mix. We were just making it for the guys. It started becoming called secret drink mix when I was no longer working in pro cycling and we were making the stuff literally in a paint shaker at the local hardware store right. me and ian mcgregor um, who's now our ceo ian was a former pro cyclist who had an injury he couldn't race anymore and you know i remember sitting with him you know weighing out the options and uh, you know my at least sentiment to him was like look you're a white dude who speaks english like get over yourself you're gonna be just fine yeah like you're not working in a factory right you 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 know cycling is not the only thing mm -hmm. that the you system is built for you yeah you know you can get an education you can learn things i'm like look dude you can add you can subtract really well um <laughs> like you've got a fantastic brain and he went back to school to get a degree in mechanical engineering he graduated first in his class and in the meantime, he started helping me make drink mix and, you know, uh, was always kind of my right hand man in terms of thinking about what, what I was doing. And he learned at such a great pace, so much faster than I was learning that, you know, it was clear that he needed to be the CEO of this company and hmm. be, be the leader here. Um, so Ian and I were making drink mix. We were bagging it up and putting a little secret sticker on it secret was drink there mix. ever any was there ever any like concern about the drink mix since it was at this time when there was this federal investigation into doping and cycling was there ever anyone who said wait a minute what's going on with this drink mix well yeah i mean people tried to snort it all the time <laughs> uh, we had you know guys mixing it up and like you know syringing it in oh between really? their toes yeah because you know <laughs> fuck it's a bag of powder like you know like if you don't have a spoon and a lighter like what are you supposed oh, to do with it man. um you know not everyone is a total idiot <laughs> uh <clears throat> if there was concern um well Certainly, we were probably breaking most food laws. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, in the paint you shaker, you don't you don't exactly <laughs> uh, make a, a food product in a in a, in a paint shaker. Um, but we did learn that uh, under a certain uh, volume of sales, this is pretty much a lemonade stand. This is a a right. this is a bake sale at your elementary your local elementary school. So we kind of bake sailed our way um, into this whole thing. Um, it, it, it was a very slow process, I think, 
even though you look back on it now and it happened very quickly, of realizing that this had potential, but more importantly, realizing that we were helping people. And for me, my inspiration comes when I know that um, I'm able to help someone and when they're grateful for that. And we were getting a lot of emails from people we didn't even know who were now coming to the Secret Drink Mix website saying that you know the drink mix really helped them, um, hmm. that it was something that they could actually use and not get sick from. And that bolstered us and it gave me a sense of purpose a sense of meaning and uh, some hope that <clears throat> I could also reinvent myself. Ian was reinventing himself. I had a college roommate named Aaron Foster who came on board and you know, Aaron was reinventing himself. And so we were all kind of looking to the future and looking to our own possibilities. Yeah, starting from scratch. Starting from scratch. And, and we changed the name from Secret Drink Mix to Scratch when we realized that that name was disingenuous and it wasn't really what we wanted to do. We, we didn't want to play some rogue game. We were really making fun of pro cycling when we called it secret. Right, Mix. right. But, you know, um, while I'm all for being funny and humor is a, a, a great way to kind of get through challenging times, we didn't want to be funny about the fact that, you know, we were serious uh, about, about starting a company and getting this thing going. So, um, you know, we, we hunkered down, we uh, took the money that we made from Secret Drink Mix and we created a whole new identity and sat down and talked about our beliefs and about what, what this meant to us. And, um, you know, Ian's wife, Jen, was our first employee. Uh, you know, our employee after that was Jason Donald, who was also on the Garmin Pro Cycling team and got our friends together and we just started. Um, yeah. You didn't bring on any, you know, outside money. We figured, well, it was Aaron who had this fantastic plan. He was like, you know, okay, what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to sell 100 pounds, and we're going to take the money, we're going to put it in a thing called the bank, and we're going to take that money, we're going to make like 300, 400 pounds, we're going to sell that, we're going to keep the cycle until we're making more and more. And, you know, it, it, he looks at Ian and I, and he's like, but there's only one rule, only one rule. We can never spend more money than is in the bank. That's a good rule to have. It's a great rule. <laughs> it's a great metric. Um, yeah. And so we were effectively profitable from from day one. Um, great. And uh, yeah, have been evolving and growing ever since. Yeah. So at that time, when you're in pro cycling, you're a scientist at a time when chemicals are kind of ruling everything, not just the illegal chemicals either, but science is looking for a better supplement a better sure. drink mix a better whatever yeah how how do you go from let's find the next best chemical to why don't we just use real food well i think that one thing that was happening at the time that was a very strong influence was this was the time when the slow food movement as a whole in society mm, was okay. taking taking shape and so I don't think that we really invented anything new in sport. We were taking cues from society as a whole. You know, um, Michael Pollan has just written his book and he opens up, um, you know, his book with eat real food, mostly plants, not too much of it. Right. And kind of summarizes that whole movement in a sentence or in a, in a few, in three sentences. Um, so for us, it was, it just made sense. More importantly, you got to remember that while pro cycling is very techno centric, 
it is based in an ethnocentric culture, right? Meaning it's based in a culture, a European culture, where tradition rules, where sure. you have the Tour de France in, in France, where commensality or eating together at a dinner table mm -hmm. is still the primary driving cultural force. Um, you know, our team was based in Catalonia, Spain, uh, which is uh, another one of these kind of paradoxes of, you know, high fat foods, strong community, lower rates of heart disease. Right. Right. You have these beautiful farmers markets and all it really took was getting the athletes and riders to, to, to go to those markets, to pick up some of those foods, to right. form relationships within that community, to understand how much better that worked. Um, I think that, you know, in the technocentric world, we tend to isolate a lot, right? Uh, yep. We tend to be alone a lot. We tend not to eat together a lot. Uh, I saw a lot of loneliness in uh, pro cycling, pro sports in general. And one of the, you know, best remedies for that loneliness is sitting together with your friends and sharing a meal and having a community that holds you accountable to a set of beliefs. Yeah, I think that's a really important aspect of performance as well. Absolutely. And one that doesn't get talked about is is just this feeling good about yourself and who you are and being happy in general Yeah, is a huge part of performing well at yeah. whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. You, you know, it's as simple as this. You know how you go and get coffee and, you know, you bump into people at the coffee shop and yep. people know your name. That's like the cheers effect, right? Right, Norm. totally. <laughs> and the barista knows you and, and knows yep. what your drink is. I mean, something as simple as that starts your day off fundamentally better than, you know, when you're in the middle of, you know, suburban who knows where at a generic Starbucks just yep. trying to get through the line. <clears throat> Right? And for me, this is why I kind of loathe the trade shows and mm -hmm. a lot of the business travel I do because it is incredibly lonely. It is incredibly isolating because you don't have that sense of connection to the person next to you. Right. You know, um, you end up having the same conversation over and over and over with every person you meet. That's you know, right. There's nothing genuine. That's right. And, and for an athlete who is so focused on performance, training all day long by themselves, coming yeah. home, eating by themselves, you know, being in their head all day long being maybe in a foreign place where you know they don't innately call it home and they don't have that connection holy cow you start to go stir crazy more importantly you get so focused on trying to achieve your goals that you start to lose touch with the values that initiated those goals mm -hmm. right um that's pretty dangerous so you know for 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 me um, a, a lot of what I did in pro cycling in terms of creating community, getting people to eat real food was kind of one in the same. Right. Um, yeah. and it just made, it just made sense and it seemed foundational. So we still talked about science. We still were looking for innovation we were still, you know, bringing athletes into the wind tunnel and, you know, quantifying data and trying to be as intelligent about the process as possible. But I think that we have forgotten that, you know, there has to be this foundation. There has to be this table that we sit at. Yep. Um, from there, you can evolve the conversation. Yeah. And I think that's something Scratch does really well, you know, as having been uh, involved with Scratch for a number of years now since actually 
Jay Peary sent me a sent me Scratch when he first signed in with the company, and um, at the time I was just writing a blog, and um, I don't pay much attention to uh, claims that packaging makes or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. So I hadn't even connected that this is real fruit that this is made with, and yeah. I have a bad habit of leaving water in my water bottles for days. Yeah and just drinking it anyway and i went to take a drink of scratch that had been sitting there for days yeah. and i'm like what the hell is that Did it, you ferment? Know? it had totally fermented yeah and then it connected in my brain like oh this is real food yeah you know, this is amazing yeah and then the whole community aspect of it started showing up yeah yeah uh, it took a little bit you know from the time that i learned about scratch for that community aspect to show up but it really is showing up and i think yeah. that's something you do really well oh thank you well you know first and foremost um if there's anything that i want people to know <clears throat> about scratch labs it's that we're a food company mm -hmm. um, we're not a supplement company and you know a company is a food company under the jurisdiction of the fda when you look at the nutrition label on the back and it says nutrition facts when it says supplement information, that's a supplement company. Gotcha. As a nutrition company, we actually can't make any claims on our bags. We can only state what the product is or intended for, mm -hmm. right? So sport hydration drink mix, right? Um, right? We can't make any claims that this is gonna make you any better of a person or right, that right. it's doing this or that. It's just a food product, but a supplement company can. And a lot of people often tell us, well, why don't you tell people more about all the benefits and i'm like well it's because we're a food company and as a food company it's not like you can take a you know banana and be just like you know right. loaded with <laughs> potassium <laughs> right um, but you've built this community who who can tell the other people the that's benefits. right that's right and the, you know i think the community built itself in so much that we needed help and we needed a lot of help mm -hmm. we you know didn't have a lot of money to spend initially and so our friends in this Boulder community came out and helped us. We would have these, you know, kind of sticker uh, parties where we'd order a bunch of pizzas. People would show up to the office and they would start putting stickers on these silver bags of scratch because hmm. um, we didn't have enough labor or, or, right. or, or help. And we would have to do this every two or three weeks to keep up with uh, sales. And people would just show up. I mean, we'd get like big parties, 50 to 100 people would show up a night and just sticker bags with us. Yeah. Well, you know, when we first started marketing, um, we would stand on the corner of Highway 36 and Broadway and hand out samples to the cyclists who rode by. And I started paying some of the panhandlers on the corner to help. And eventually the cops shut, uh, shut, <laughs> shut me down. Uh, but when that happened, you know, one of the <clears throat> buyers from Whole Foods here on the Pearl Street store he had ridden by, tried the product, and called us up and said, hey, we'd love to put you in Whole Foods. Oh, right? cool. Yeah. So if it wasn't for that community, um, kind of watching our back, helping us out, there's no way that we would have been here. And that camaraderie um, meant something, right? Um, and it moved the needle for us in a, in a big way when we realized we didn't have any money to go to events to market our products. Bijou Thomas, who owns little Bijou's little curry shop, you know, is a good friend who I wrote the Feed Zone cookbooks with. He mm -hmm. was like, Al, you know, we can buy a food trailer, drive around the country, and I bet you we can sell enough burritos and bowls to pay our way. And we took a big risk. Bijou and I, 
you know, when on the road, he's Indian, I'm Chinese, and it was literally Harold and Kumar <laughs> looking for White Castle selling rice bowls. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and we made a lot of cash that, that, that helped to support our marketing efforts. More importantly, we realized by just giving someone some good food and some good conversation and having them having a place to hang out, you know, anywhere you created instant community. Yeah. Right. The table yep. was, was, was everything. Hmm. That's really cool. Can we talk a little bit about, you know, the product and why? So mm-hmm. first off, I'm, I have a really bad habit of when I, when I start working or when I'm out climbing or whatever, whatever it is I'm doing, I get so focused on the thing that I forget to, eat or drink yeah bad habit yeah my fiance calls me out on it all the time trying to get better at it one of the things that has helped me is i did grow up with a sweet tooth yeah and i've weaned myself mostly off of that over a lot of years and things like gatorade and things like that are too sweet for me they they trigger that sweet tooth and then i need more candy more sugar you know yeah yeah but scratch is subtle enough yeah. and doesn't trigger that sweet tooth, but yeah. it makes me remember that I want to drink water. Yeah, sure. Or that I want to drink whatever's in my bottle sure. at the time, you know? And, and that may actually be more physiologic uh, than anything. Um, so first and foremost, it's important for people to know that our primary focus here at Scratch is to solve problems for endurance athletes. Mm-hmm specifically solve nutrition problems for endurance athletes. Our our bigger mission or our bigger why is to help people become better. And I'm a firm believer that if you participate in any type of somewhat aerobic activity, you know, if you see yourself as an athlete, in particular, if you see yourself as an endurance athlete, whether you're a mountaineer or a climber or a firefighter or someone who just stands all day on their feet working their butts off, right. you're an endurance athlete, right? Um, and in the context of being an endurance athlete, you have certain problems and challenges. Uh, in that sense, you think about something like sugar and you think about something like salt, which are primary ingredients in our sports drink. We don't put those ingredients there because people want them. We put them in there because they need them. Gotcha. So effectively, you know, we provide sugar to athletes who need sugar, not to people who simply crave it. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, in comparison, yeah, you know, we talk about our sugar concentrations as percentages. Scratch is a four percent concentration, meaning it has four grams of sugar for every hundred mils of fluid. Gatorade, somewhere in the six to seven percent range, right? Um, Coke, ten to eleven percent sugar. Uh, you know, orange juice, maybe as high as eleven or twelve percent gotcha. sugar, right? Yep. So we're on the very low spectrum of how much sugar you need for two purposes. One is to help maintain your blood glucose as you're exercising and burning calories. Mm -hmm. That can help performance, having this exogenous or external source of fuel. The other thing it helps with is if you pair that sugar with sodium, the combination of glucose and sodium when transported through an active transport system creates a portal which draws water in. Right, so for every it hydrates you better. It it hydrates you faster. You get faster absorption. Normally, water moves across the small intestine through a process called osmosis, depending upon the concentration gradient between what's inside the intestinal lumen 
and the blood. So if you have something that is too concentrated, water will tend to move into the gut. If you have something that is less concentrated than, than blood, water will move into the body. But if you transport two molecules of sodium for every molecule of glucose, you can move in 210 molecules of water. So there is a physiological basis for enhancing water absorption mm -hmm. with glucose and sodium. The other thing that's happening is we're replacing the salt that you're losing in your sweat. You know, people aren't really aware of how much salt they lose. Um, they're not even aware that they're very salty people, right? Like right. if you think about our blood and why vampires love drinking blood, mm -hmm. well, it's because blood is about the same salinity as a bowl of chicken noodle soup, oh, right? Okay. So blood is about 3,500 milligrams of sodium per liter. A good bowl of miso soup, chicken noodle soup, is about 4,000 milligrams of sodium per liter, so just a little bit saltier, hmm. right? And it's <clears throat> all that salt in your blood that is ultimately presented to a sweat gland. As the sweat moves through that sweat gland, your body tries to save as much salt as possible, so it tries to re-sequester both sodium and chloride ion, but some of that salt escapes. Sure. And how much salt escapes is dependent upon your sweat rate, it's also dependent upon your genetics. From a genetic standpoint, there's a huge variability to the extent that maybe some people lose 400 milligrams of sodium in a liter of sweat. Some people might lose 2,000 milligrams of sodium in mm. sweat. On average, it's about 1,000 or you know, about a third of what you find in blood. In the most extreme case, you have cystic fibrosis where a cystic fibrosis patient is going to lose most of their salt, up to 3,500 milligrams of mm. sodium per liter. Um, salt sodium is critical for every single electrical current flowing through your body. Your brain can't talk to any organ or muscle without sodium. Right, and so right. it's really, really important to keep sodium balance or the concentration of sodium consistent inside your body. So as you sweat and you lose salt, if you don't replace it, you're kind of screwed up. That being said, you're losing more water then you are losing salt. Right. If you lose this water, <clears throat> what happens to your blood sodium concentration? Goes up. It goes up, right? You're losing more water out of the pool than chlorine, so the chlorine concentration is going up, right? right? Same with the body, the sodium concentration is going up. This triggers the thirst mechanism, okay? And while the thirst mechanism has some lag, it's still a great mechanism because it's a mechanism that isn't just responding to changes in body water. It's really responding to changes in sodium concentration. The idea being that as you lose water and that sodium concentration goes up, you get thirsty. Gotcha. If you were to drink plain water, you stop being thirsty when the sodium concentration goes back down to normal, mm -hmm. not when you replace all the water. And that thirst mechanism is really important because it protects you from diluting out your blood sodium concentration. If you listen to thirst, you'll stop drinking when sodium balance has been reestablished. If you drink beyond thirst, there's a good chance that you're going to dilute out your blood sodium and get something called hyponatremia. Right, mm -hmm. which is a diluted blood sodium level. Right. And that can cause a, a lot of different problems. I mean, the first problem it probably causes is it causes you to pee a lot, right? Because now your kidneys are actively trying to balance sodium, right? Um, so what's great about a sports drink, if you get it right, 
and you're close to what you're replacing in terms of salt loss, is all of a sudden thirst theoretically becomes a good <clears throat> benchmark for not just maintaining sodium balance, but also maintaining water balance, right? Because now you're not only replacing the salt that you lost, but you're replacing more of the water that you actually lost. Right. So having salt in your water bottle is critical to maintaining hydration. It's just important for people to realize that hydration is about two things. It's about water balance. It's not just about water. Yeah, it's also about sodium balance. And of those two, water versus sodium balance, sodium balance is more important than water balance. Hmm. That's really interesting. I've, I've never heard it put that way, but that makes a lot of sense, especially yeah. when you consider that it's all electrical signals that run us. That's right. And that has to move through our bodies via this sodium. Yeah, and it's all about homeostasis. <clears throat> it's all about a constant body environment. It's all about keeping the same temperature, keeping the same blood sugar, keeping the, the same electrolyte concentration. Everything is about this idea of homeostasis or balance right? right and so your body has what what what's referred to as hedonistic cues right you get hungry you eat that's hedonism hedonism is often thought about pursuing pleasure but it's also about maintaining life and sure in a lot of ways there's a there's a tight association between you know staying alive and and, and seeking pleasure, right? Yeah. Um, when you're cold, you put on a jacket. When you're hot, you strip naked and you start running around like most people do. Um, right? That's what happens here at Scratch. That's Quarters, what happens anyway. here at Scratch. We get, we, we, we get hot and bothered all the time. <clears throat> Sticker parties. Yep, that's right. That's right. Uh, you know, when, when I don't know, when you go through puberty, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I want to make babies. Right. You really don't want to make babies. You just want to. Right, you know, totally. But it's all bio—it's all biology. Yeah. And so, you know, when you think about something like <clears throat> Scratch, we're not simply trying to make you crave a product. Mm -hmm. We're trying to trigger the right mechanisms in your brain so that intuitively you do a better job of taking care of yourself. So while you might say that you do a bad job of drinking or eating or whatever, if you have the right food, if you have the right drink, you're intuitively going to survive right? and intuitively going to continue to perform at a very high level. Hmm. Right? Okay. It's when the stuff that you're providing yourself sucks or isn't in balance with what you're losing that I think things start to go a little off the rails. So do we know, is there a number or a ratio or something that, for this amount of activity or exercise, you should be having this much, or is that something we shouldn't even consider? We should just go. Don't even by worry about it, dude. Thirst. Go by thirst. Okay. And make sure that you know what you're losing. You're losing water. You're losing salt. You're burning calories. You got some calories. You got some salt. You got some water. Well, bring it with you, and you'll do better than if you had not. You'll be able to go harder and farther. And when you reach your limit and you're interested in going past that limit, rethink what you brought out. Did you bring enough water? Did you bring enough salt? Did you bring enough food? And it becomes this effectively a trial and error process. But if you keep good notes and you listen to yourself, then you're being a little smarter than just trial and error. You're starting to actually move towards experimentation. Right. You're moving towards what science is supposed to be. 
Um, so in, in that sense, I don't think that there's ever um, a hard and fast rule about how much you quote unquote should bring in terms of these items. I think that it's important to know what reference good reference points are. So on average, in the heat, an athlete who is working very, very hard, you know, let's say they're they're fit enough to run a four minute mile. Mm -hmm. If you're fit enough to run a four minute mile and it is over 80 degrees out, over 50% humidity, you're losing, if you kept that pace up for an hour, probably anywhere from two and a half to maybe even four liters of fluid, depending upon your body shape and size, right? And so there are so many factors that we can't measure that play a physical role in your body's balance. So literally, if you are tall and skinny and you have a lot of surface area relative to your you know, active muscle mass, you're gonna dissipate heat a lot better than somebody who right. is more Mr. Potato Head. Right, And right. so Gumby compared to Mr. Potato Head is gonna have uh, probably a lower water need for a given, mm -hmm. you know, you know, caloric expenditure than Mr. Potato Head will. And depending upon whether or not the clouds are out or there's solar radiation or if it's windy or not windy, the humidity, the temperature, your physical conditioning, your state of adaptation. Right. There's so many factors that play in that if you can't rely on what your body is telling you and improvise, then you're kind of screwed. That being said, the best improv people I have ever seen are the ones who have a lot of training. Right? Sure. So if you're Absolutely. an actor who can improv, it's probably <clears throat> likely that you were cl a classically trained actor with a huge toolbox to right. understand your environment and your situation. Yep. Right. And in competitive settings, you have no other option, even if you have a good strategic plan, but to be improvisational because everyone has a good strategic plan. Yep. And you got to kind of look at your environment and say, all right, how do I continuously adapt so I get the best result. Yeah, I think that's really important. We we preach quite a bit practicing all of the factors and having a great awareness of all the factors outside of what you do in the gym and right. you know what your training plan tells you to do or that's any right. of that. And, that's right. And that all plays a big part in how you perform, how you feel, right. how long you continue in the sport, yeah. you know, all sorts of, yeah. you know, it, just, it affects the whole being, yeah. really. Yeah. What, what I find really, really cool is that the more you train, the more you engage and challenge, the more you find yourself in difficult situations, the, not only do you get better, but you get to a point where you start to learn that you can trust yourself. Yeah. That your body is really really flexible yeah. and while it, your body might have limits it it's also really really resilient yeah right? and then you can push more and more that's right you know and, little and, bits at a time yeah you find the line you find <clears> the line you find the line and you know the best way to learn is to cross the line yeah so you guys have a sport mix and an anytime mix yep. if we're just listening to thirst why does it matter to have two different mixes as a yeah. as a climber i prefer 
the anytime mix. Yeah. Because the, we don't do a lot of yeah. heavy aerobic exercise. Yeah. So the difference between the anytime and the sport is sodium. The anytime has a lot mm. less sodium and a lot less sugar and more fruit than the sport does. Here's the difference. When we're just hanging out, sitting here, talking, etc., we're losing water, mm -hmm. right? But we're losing most of that water through respiration, which is insensible. Some of it is coming off the skin, but it's coming off at such a slow rate that our sweat glands have plenty of time to resequester the sodium. And so for just sitting around, we lose water, but we don't lose any electrolyte. In that sense, when you're talking about thirst, water becomes perfectly appropriate Gotcha. to restore both electrolyte balance and water balance. Because as I'm losing this water over the course of a day, my sodium concentration is going up. But since I only lost water, right. if I just drink water to the thirst and I lost a liter, I'll stop being thirsty at a liter. When we get into this mixed bag of activity where we're kind of walking around, we're not quite exercising to the extent that we're losing two plus liters an hour. So we're not like running a marathon, but still physically active then the sodium loss ends up becoming less. And so I think that you've naturally found that anytime works well for you because it has just enough electrolyte to keep up with your losses over this mixed activity. Yeah. And you're not losing at the rate that you would be if you were constantly sweating. So if you're doing an activity and you know that the sweat is not gonna stop, you wanna use our sport hydration drink mix. Right. If you're doing a mixed bag of activity or in the office, you want to use our anytime and that ref that balances or matches water to sodium loss. Right, right. And then what's where does the um oh gosh, what's it called? It's not the hyper mix, but there's another the rescue. one. The rescue. Yeah. yeah. Where does so that we, come in? We have effectively three kind of major categories in our company. We have our anytime line of products, which includes our anytime hydration drink mix. It includes our anytime energy bar. These are products that you can use basically anytime if you're hungry or thirsty, et cetera. And they're appropriate for um, mixed or sedentary activity. Then we have our sport line, right? And that's when you're doing this consistent aerobic endurance type of work. Mm -hmm. And then there's our wellness line. And uh, we're, we've gone through this whole kind of renaming architecture because I would make products and just give it a name. So our wellness used to be called rescue hydration. That's based on a formula by the World Health Organization for treating severe dehydration, specifically in the cases of diarrheal disease. This is the same formulation that you would see with a product like Pedialyte, right? So you have mm -hmm. a very high sodium product, about 1,500 milligrams of sodium per liter. You have higher potassium, about 500 to 700 milligrams of potassium per liter. You have a little bit of zinc because zinc has been shown to help to, 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 to quell the intestinal viruses that can often lead to diarrhea. Hmm. Um, you have, you know, a little bit of sugar because that combination of glucose and sodium and helps sodium. to enhance water transport. Right. So uh, UNICEF and WHO have, have done a great job of updating and delivering this education information uh, to folks. Um, this is all public domain knowledge. And the reason why it's public domain knowledge is because in developing countries, the leading cause of death is dehydration from diarrheal diseases. Hmm. And it's easily preventable. 
the link between this situation and endurance athletes is that endurance athletes can at times become severely dehydrated. Sure. Endurance athletes often travel a lot and they pick up a lot of intestinal bugs and you know they end up peeing out of their butthole. Right. Mm -hmm. And so having a good oral rehydration solution ends up being critical in the same way that we created a natural alternative to, you know, the the neon colored sports drinks. We wanted to create a natural alternative to the neon colored and artificially sweetened electrolyte pediatric right, electrolyte right. solutions. Hmm. Um, you know, even though they're they're designed with children in mind, uh, they're also great for adults. The reason why they're designed for children in mind is because an adult has a lot more total body water and electrolyte on board. And so when they have diarrhea or become severely dehydrated, they're less likely to die from it than a small child. Sure. Right. And so the hydration, um, especially, you know, the sodium balance in a kid becomes much more crucial than it does in a mature adult. Um, that's why there's been an emphasis in calling these pediatric electrolyte solutions. But the reality, they're all just oral rehydration solutions or salts. Gotcha. Um, and that's what our wellness or rescue hydration is. And then finally, we have a hyperhydration, which is equivalent to saline. And so all of our hydration drinks are kind of uh, characterized by differences in sodium level. So when you get to hyperhydration, now you have something that is exactly saline and you have something that is essentially drinkable saline. Right. Mm. So, you know, if you think about the the trend towards <clears throat> IV hydration and people being hungover and thinking they need IV hydration. <laughs> right, right. And you think about trying to push all that saline fluid through a little vein, a through a little, little hole versus the small intestine, which has the surface area of of, of of a tennis court, well or a football field, you would rather pour a liter over that football field right. and try to shove that liter through a little needle. Yeah. Um, so for me, the only time IV hydration over our hyperhydration or our saline hydration is uh, important is when somebody is throwing up, right? If you're not throwing up. So they can't up, keep that solution down. Yeah, exactly. So. If, you're, if you have diarrhea, then oral rehydration, um, especially with a high salt, um, you know, moderate sugar solution with some zinc and maybe even some probiotic um, if you're throwing up, well, you're not even keeping it down. So right. that's when you start to think about IV hydration and cases of severe dehydration. Okay. So both of these you would use in similar situations. The I would use uh, the hyper in situations where I know I'm not going to be able to get enough fluid. I'm going out into the heat and I just can't carry enough water and salt. So you would and, use it pre. Yeah. And I would use gotcha. it as a way to increase my total body water and the sodium um, in, in a way where, you know, because it's saline, you're going to pee less of it out. Um, and you're going to basically top yourself off. You're going to, you're going to allow your body to carry as much water and, and sodium as it possibly can. The risk is if you don't need that, you're just going to drive blood pressure up. And if you're hypertensive already, then that's a risk factor. Um, but if you're an endurance athlete, who's going out in, into the Mojave and right. you have a limited amount of resource you can carry. Well, this is where prehydrating becomes very important, but you don't mm. want to just prehydrate with water because if you prehydrate with water, you're going to pee most of that water off. Right. You want to, you want to prehydrate with something that is uh, the same concentration as your blood. Um, and even then there are limits as to how much water your, your body will hold. Um, again, remember that saline is close to a good soup. So you can also prehydrate with good broths, salty soups, 
right? Huh, interesting. Um, and use that as a strategy. Um, huh. You know, it doesn't doesn't. There are alternatives. There, and it doesn't necessarily replace just drinking water with a good salty meal. Wow, that's really fascinating. I had no idea. I had no idea of any of this, um, but. Yeah, it's Super pretty simple when you break it down. But uh, you know, I like to say that the human body doesn't come with a user manual. Yeah, it right? doesn't. And so when you start to read the user manual, you start to realize, oh, this is a pretty elegant system. You know, we need fuel, we need oil. You mm -hmm. know, yeah, we need to pump up the tires. Yeah, totally. You know, <clears throat> we're good to go. Yeah. So, where does the does the recovery mix fall into the wellness side? It, it falls into the sports side because. Okay. It's got a very high sugar concentration to maximize glycogen resynthesis. Mm -hmm. It has a little bit of protein to help with that process as well. Um, it's basically chocolate milk or coffee milk. I was a little blown away by it, actually. Yeah. I'm, I've never been a fan of adding water to my whatever recovery mix or That's protein right. drinks or any of those things. Yeah. And I've always been a chocolate milk fan yeah. as a recovery drink. And I tried adding the water, even though I really wanted to add milk. Yeah. And and it tastes exactly like chocolate milk. Because it is chocolate milk. And that was the epiphany that I had reading the scientific literature on maximizing recovery. You know, what? there's so much literature on chocolate milk compared to other um, recovery drink solutions. And there's not a piece of literature that I've read that shows that that chocolate milk doesn't work as well, if mm -hmm. not better. And, you know, it serves two purposes. One is it helps you to re begin rehydrating. But then because chocolate milk is typically so sweet, it helps you to refuel. That being said, people think of chocolate milk in the context of a snack. In most cases, it's not an appropriate snack because you just don't need that much sugar, right. right? And so again, we're providing this high dose of sugar to people who actually need it. I tell people that it's not a wellness or an anytime product, it's a sport product, assuming that you just burn a lot of calories and you don't have enough time to cook yourself a meal. Yeah. So even in this situation, I see that there are other alternatives and I would rather give a kid a bowl of chicken fried rice than have them drink this super sweet chocolate milk. What I do know though, is if they have another event in two or three hours, or if they have an event the next day, right. that I'm gonna give it to them because it's gonna fast track that refueling and that recovery, recovery process. Um, and that's ultimately critical from a performance standpoint. The problem with chocolate milk, though, is not everyone can drink chocolate milk. Some people are lactose intolerant. Right. And so we use a complete whole milk protein. 20% of the sugar is going to be lactose. To um, make up for that, we add lactase enzyme to our chocolate milk. And so if in our product, if you shake it up and let it sit for about a minute, the lactase will start to break down the lactose and people mm. who are lactose intolerant can now drink the product. Okay. Um, so I think we have an advantage over chocolate milk in the yeah. sense that it is a mm. complete milk protein product, but we're adding back lactase enzyme uh, in the same way that like milk products like lactate or other lactose-free milk products do. Um, the other thing we do is we add a probiotic called Bacillus Coagulans 30, BC30. It's a lactate-forming 
probiotic, uh, meaning it, when it metabolizes, it forms lactate as a byproduct, and it's also a spore-forming bacteria, meaning it's protected by a, a hard protein shell, which makes it very resilient to high temperatures, UV ra- radiation, uh, to stomach acid, mm-hmm. and so you get a higher percentage of survival through the stomach into the small intestine. There's a ton of research on these bacillus probiotics, these spore-forming probiotics, yeah. as being immunoprotective, um, having you know great effect in terms of improving uh, digestion inside of the small intestine, helping t- uh, to uh, create vitamins and uh, helping to actually break down protein and carbohydrate. And so as a digestive aid, um, as a immune enhancer, um, it's a very, very powerful probiotic. And so we add both lactase and the BC30 probiotic to our recovery product. Wow. These um, things are so much more than just tasting good. Yeah. And, and that's <laughs> the thing for me, taste drives everything, but there is a functional role or a real problem that we are solving. Right. In, uh, immunosuppressed athlete post-exercise and every athlete who works out hard in the period of time post-exercise as they're recovering is immunosuppressed. So like mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense that the first barrier to that uh, um, immune function, first physical barrier besides your skin is your small intestine, right? Yeah. And so you want to protect that. You want it to heal and recover. And there's a big stress on the GI tract during exercise, you know, especially in the heat, your intestinal membrane can begin to fail and it gets more susceptible to viruses or bugs or, you know, uh, other, other insults. And this is where, you know, athletes often talk about having a bad gut or a bad, uh, you know, intestine, post-exercise. So we, we look at the literature, we say, hey, what works best? Wow, chocolate milk really works. Why complicate the situation? But what are the limitations and what are other problems that athletes are facing? Well, yeah. not everyone can drink milk, lactase. You know, there's still this issue of immune function and a healthy gut. Well, let's add, you know, the what we think is the, the best in class probiotic for that Mm -hmm. yeah and one problem that it solves for me is that when i go out cragging um for a whole day i i don't want to pack a cooler and bring chocolate milk and leave it sitting in my car in the sun and that's right and then i don't want to really want to stop at the store to buy some so i can bring this powder and i always have water so I can just mix it with that's water right. and that's, you don't need that's to bring super milk. helpful for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. And in so much that powder <clears throat> drink mixes don't tend to serve the mass market community very well because you can't stop at a seven 11 or a grocery store, you know, or, you know, the airline kiosk and just pick, pick it up. Yep. It serves endurance athletes and outdoorsmen, outdoor women very, very well yeah. in that it's portable yep. and you just need water. Yeah. Right. And you're set. Uh, so for us, you know, that's a, another kind of conscious decision that maybe limits our market, but allows us to stay very, very focused on this idea of solving nutrition problems for athletes. Yeah. While we're on the topic of this recovery mix, I just have to ask, we, we were sitting at home next to the fireplace, um, a few weeks ago and realized we had no hot cocoa in the house, but we did have scratch recovery. So we were making recovery cocoa yes and we ended up doing it multiple nights that week because it was so good is there any problem with that there's no problem compared to cocoa 
and in fact, the next time you run out of our recovery mix, but you have cocoa, you can use that as your recovery drink. Oh, gotcha. Right? I mean, yeah. what's important in recovering is the sugar content, is mm-hmm. the calories that you're fast tracking, as well as the hydration. What you're missing from your packet of Swiss Miss, though, is you're missing the sodium, mm-hmm. right? You're uh, missing the protein, Right. right. Protein was something I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. I, I've heard all sorts of ratios for what's the best for yeah. recovery. And yeah. a lot of people uh, espouse the four parts carb to one part protein mix. And yeah. yours is quite a bit more carb to protein. Yeah. Actually, is ours is four to one. Is it four to one? It's okay. four to one. Uh, so we're on the same track. And was there uh, a second mix? Is, initially, is there a different mix now? The, the mix that I was using for guys in the in the Tour de France was about five to one. Okay. So a little different than what we sell now. So five to one for me in a Grand Tour is really important to push that carbohydrate up a little bit because mm-hmm. they are burning more calories. Right. But four to one for me is more appropriate for the general uh, general athlete. Okay. Um, so it's a slight change in that ratio, five to one versus four to one, but. Uh, I think four to one hits it. And four to one hits it when you're talking about glycogen resynthesis, when you're talking about maximizing refueling, having some protein uh, along with your carbohydrate does help to fast track glycogen resynthesis, right? Um, So having a little bit of protein to help to rebuild muscle is important. Um, You know, a damaged fiber is not going to hold as much glycogen. So having some building block, but also mostly fuel can enhance how much you end up holding. Gotcha. Uh, I think that if you're talking about strength athletes, though, and talking about maximizing, you know, muscle development, right, your ratio is probably going to be one to one. Right. You're talking about, you know, 20 grams of carbohydrate for 20 grams of, of protein. You still need the carbohydrate as a strength athlete because you need that spike in glucose to cause an insulin response. Insulin drives that sugar and protein both into the cell where it can now be used to build, right? And insulin ultimately is the most anabolic hormone in the body. So for a strength athlete, it's not just about protein. It's also about getting these insulin spikes. Gotcha. You know, for a person who's not an athlete, these insulin spikes can be terrible. Right. They can, you know, make you sleepy. Uh, they can they can kind of activate your parasympathetic nervous system and you get all drowsy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they put a strain on your, on your, on your pancreas, et cetera. Right. Uh, and that's kind of the difference. It's like everything that might kill you as a sedentary individual may actually enhance your performance right. as an athlete. Yep. Wow, that's really interesting. Are the fruit are the fruit drops the same sort of idea just to provide sugar back in, provide right. insulin back that's in? That's right. You know, if you've ever seen a bonking athlete, yeah. um, but then you know that there's a purpose for our, our energy shoes. Right, and it's ultimately a carbohydrate supplement that uh, is designed to paradoxically load up a lot of sugar into you without causing GI distress. And the, the, the what people I think forget about digestion is that digestion is a, a multi-tiered process. It begins when you first see and look at food, and you start this kind of you know sending cues to the so whole it GI makes tract. You salivate and exactly. All of that, yeah. Then there's the chewing. Right mm-hmm. then, there's swallowing this this bolus. It goes into the stomach. The stomach is a reservoir, right? It's a place where you have acid 
and churning that continues to break and liquefy food. Nothing gets absorbed in the stomach. Things just get broken down in the stomach even more until okay. you have a liquid that goes through or squirts through the pyloric sphincter and then trickles into the small intestine. It's at the small intestine that now this liquefied chyme gets transported into the body and down through the bowels, that's where things that can't get absorbed like fiber, water that hasn't absorbed in through gets turned into fecal matter and ends up out your butthole. Right, right. Um, for us, if you were just to drink all that sugar, it's quite likely that you're going to be dumping more sugar into the intestine than it can absorb. And anytime you get a higher rate of gastric emptying, anytime you empty something from the stomach at a concentration that is too high for the intestines to absorb, that's when you start to get gut rot. That's when you start to get, you know, this bad feeling. Because after the small intestine, the only other place is out the back door. And right. that's the last thing you want to have happen if you're an athlete. And so yep. with the energy chew, it has a form factor where it's effectively sugar, tapioca, and pectin. And that tends to decrease the gastric emptying. So when you load a bunch up in your stomach, it continues to slowly break down and trickle consistently into the small intestine. Gotcha. Right? And so for me... I prefer the chews, the solid form of food for getting consistent energy over these highly concentrated carbohydrates. I don't think that highly carbo concentrated carbohydrates are a bad idea, but what happens with highly concentrated carbohydrate drinks is you tend to have to pace yourself. You, ha you tend to have to drink it slowly. Right. Um, all <clears throat> that being said, you know we continue to innovate and work and develop on things that uh, can give athletes more energy without mm -hmm. hurting their gut. And so we've got some cool experiments planned for this next year on cool. that front. Cool. I know one of the more recent products, the bars, uh, very quickly became a favorite at my house. Nice. Uh, um, so tell me a little bit about those. What makes them, you know, how, do, how should we be using them instead of just as a snack or? Yeah, I think they can be used as a snack. Okay. I think that they can also be used on these long days when you need extra food with you and you don't have uh, the time to bring real food. Mm -hmm. um, they're a substitute for real food. For me, I was always reticent to make energy bars because I always believed that making things from scratch was better for you and tasted better. And we wrote an entire cookbook to that end, the Feed right. Portables. Right. Which is a great uh, book, by the way. Yeah, I think it's an awesome book. The problem with uh, having written that book was that we were getting all these people who bought the book asking us for an energy bar because <laughs> right. as aspirational as making your own energy bars was, people didn't have the time for it. And right. I realized this was a problem. I also realized that if we could figure out a way to make an energy bar that I actually wanted to eat, that wasn't dry, that had the right texture, that was delicious, that made me think about wanting to eat it, yeah. then we would have a home run. And it took a long time for us to figure it out because mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's the notion of making something in your kitchen. There's, there's the complication of scaling a food product from a benchtop sample in your home to you know thousands of units right. out into the world. And that bothered me a lot. What I love about our energy bar 
if there's any kind of distinction from other energy bars, is that the same process that you would use to make this bar in your own kitchen is the same process we use at scale to make this bar. We just use bigger mixing bowls. Much like bigger mixing bowls. Much bigger <laughs> mixing bowls. But it's a it's it's a slab line bar, meaning it's a pressed bar. It's not baked. You mix all the raw ingredients together um, and then you squish them into a pan. Uh, that's gotcha. the process. And so our bar is a nut butter base, right? Uh, which is delicious. And instead of, you know, just using plain peanut butter, we're using almond butter, cashew butter, tahini. Mm -hmm. We're using nut butters that I would right. gravitate towards that are more expensive, um, you know, than, than say standard peanut butter. And then to that, you know, to kind of air things out and create the right texture so that it's, it's, it still has a low moisture content, but isn't hard to eat. We air it out with brown rice crisp, quinoa crisp, and sorghum flakes. Then we add a little bit of oat, a little bit of oat flour. Instead of using brown rice syrup, which gets all icky on your, your tongue, we use coconut nectar, which is a lot cleaner in terms of how it feels in your mouth, but equally as sweet and a good binder. Um, a little bit of uh, tapioca with that. And then you add inclusions for our, our chocolate chip. We add you know uh, almond chunks, chocolate chips, cranberries to give it mm -hmm. some tartness for our cherries and pistachios is just pistachio chunks and sweet tart cherries and then i've always wanted a savory bar yeah. i always gravitate towards yeah. salty and a little bit of spice and so i wanted a bar that felt like i was eating ramen that was yeah. umami <laughs> yeah right and so we made our ginger miso which is candy ginger miso soy shiitake mushrooms right yeah, um, that one's delicious. Yeah, red pepper. And when you kind of get oversaturated with sweetness, yeah, having that salty little bit of spice that wakes you up, it's freaking amazing. Yeah, and, it defies my natural sweet tooth. Yeah. But I, I gravitate toward it. Yeah, so. me too. Um, so we were really proud of, 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 of the process we went through. We we're really proud of these bars, but we know that they're effectively bars. Yeah. And that you know, bars have a time and place. So use your wisdom, right? Uh, try not to eat them, but yeah. have them around for when you actually do need food. Yeah, cool. Well, unless you want to tell us a little bit about what's coming up in the future, if there's anything you can say without sure. dropping all the secrets. Well, the one thing I know about the future is that the future is the future. <laughs> it is. It is definitive time that it will, we're, we're slowly bending and moving towards. Um, the future holds some some interesting stuff for us. We have a new flavor of energy chew coming out. I'm cool. not going to say what, but it's so good it makes me angry. Um, <laughs> in fact, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll when I was tasting them, I would I would I would chew some and I would just spit it out, and throw it at people who worked here because it was so good. Um, <laughs> it's a great working environment. Yeah, here to scratch. Yeah, exactly. When you spit up your food at your coworkers, you know you have a culture uh, where you can say anything. Yeah, totally. Um, we are finally, you know, finishing up our rebranding. So it's important for people mm -hmm. to know that that we've gone through this whole new brand architecture. It's the anytime sport and wellness, and we're finally finishing that up. So we'll have our our what used to be our rescue hydration fully represented as our wellness hydration soon. Um, we're going to double down on selling products. You know, we have a full line now. We have. Yeah 
the drink mixes, we have the energy bar, we have the energy chews, we have the recovery mix. All we need to do now is get out there, be active, have a ton of fun, and serve the athletes who got us here. Um, cool. So that's our plan uh, for for 2018. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to helping however I can. So Yes! Yeah. Thanks, Alan. I appreciate you sitting down with me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. I can honestly say that that was one of the most fun and fascinating conversations about nutrition that I've ever had. And I'm still a little blown away that hydration can be so interesting. Um, So big thanks to Alan for inviting me in and for taking the time. I know you've got a crazy busy schedule. So thanks for sitting down with me, giving me the Scratch Labs tour and for having this great conversation. I think there's a lot here for people to learn. Um, If you have not checked out Scratch Labs and you would like to, you can do that at scratchlabs.com. I suggest starting simple, um, lemon lime. That's the way, that's the way I go. I just, I like the original flavor still. I have to. Um, however, I also like that miso and ginger bar and I really like the chocolate recovery. So scratch that. No pun intended. Don't start simple. Um, just jump in, check it all out. Why not? Um, again, thanks Alan. I appreciate that. You guys, be on the lookout for the schedule coming soon. I know that I'm going to be in Columbia, Maryland, April 6th to 8th, speaking at the Performance Climbing Coach Seminar from Climb Strong with Steve Bechtel and Neely Quinn and Charlie Manganello and Dr. Tyler Nelson. Um, so if you're thinking about coming out, get signed up now. You can save some money by getting signed up right away. Uh, spots are going fast, so sign up and hopefully i see you there if you're in the area nearby you want me to come and check your gym out do a workshop at your gym hit me up that schedule is going to fill up fast too and i'm just planning on being out there for an extra week or so so reach out contact button on powercompanyclimbing.com you can find us on the instagrams and the facebooks at powercompanyclimbing And you can go look for us on that Twitter machine, but you're not going to find us there because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles.